The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Barron's Live Market Watch Edition. I'm Jessica Hall, retirement reporter for Market Watch, and with me today is Doris Meister, who is chairman and CEO of Wilmington Trust. Thank you, Doris, for being here. Welcome. Thank you, Jessica. Happy to be here. Thanks. So we um, want to jump in with questions. When we look at financial planning, we always hear that it's important to start with a budget. And But how do you get started with budget, budgeting? And what do you do when you didn't create one when you were first starting out? Okay, great. Well, I am glad we're starting with financial planning and budgeting because it's the cornerstone to financial success for everybody. And I think sometimes we overcomplicate in our minds what it means to build a, a budget with, you know, in an overall financial plan. So one way I, I often counsel clients to think about this is there's a lot of similarity in financial planning and budgeting with exercise. So we all know we should be exercising. It makes us healthier. It helps us reduce stress. Well, the same thing is true with budgeting and finance. So in this case, I typically borrow Nike's expression and say, just do it. Um, because at the end of the day, while it takes discipline and it's hard to get you over the hump to start, um, it will help you feel better and it will reduce a lot of stress and end up positioning you for successful um, future financially. So go ahead, Sarah. No, I was just I was just going to keep going. OK, <laughs> sorry. I'm going to say how to get started. So how to get started is um, with a budget there are really some key components that you have to think through. And I would start with a legal pad and a pen or a pencil. Start with your monthly income. So build a, build a budget month by month, and then you add it up and that gives you the year. Mm -hmm. You have to start with income, every source of income, because that's the amount you get to spend. From that, you then deduct your expenses. And it's usually a good idea to start with fixed expenses. So those would be things like rent, your car payment, anything else that is a fixed expense. I always recommend that you put, um, when budgeting, as a fixed expense, a con contribution to your 401k. Mm -hmm. I'll talk about that a little later, which is offered by most companies or an IRA if you're setting one up independently. Mm -hmm as well as a small amount to go to a discretionary fund that you reserve for any contingencies, problems that come up. As people say, you know, man plans, God laughs. So you want to be able to have provision for that. So then the next uh, item becomes discretionary. And this is where it gets hard, because here you have to figure out how much are you going to allow yourself to spend on what's remaining, because you've deducted fixed from income, are you going to spend it on food? Are you going to spend it on vacation? Are you going to spend it on clothing or, or 
anything else that you need to think about spending on. And this is where you have to make some real choices. And again, try to be disciplined as you think this through. And then you can always go back and refine through experience. But once you've got the discretionary um, spending down, then you have what what you can afford to do on a monthly basis. If you have anything left over, mm-hmm. I've already talked about the 401k or the um, uh, savings account. You can also then add that to the savings account if you think it's the right thing to do. Or just keep it as excess or have it as a little wiggle room if you get it wrong that month. Then you add that up for a year and you can see what you're really looking at for the year. Okay. If you want to go beyond the legal pad and pen and paper, what's is there a good tool out there that helps in budgeting? There are quite a few tools available. Uh, Money Guide Pro is used actively in our industry. We offer it as one of the in one of our channels of Wellington Trust to our clients. If you have a 401k plan at uh, your company and you're contributing, they always have financial planning tools and budgeting tools on the website. Uh, mm-hmm. At least all the major providers do. And then finally, your bank, where you have a checking account or a savings account. If you go online, you will see that they have planning tools. So they've all incorporated some sort of assistance. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that most, 81% anyway, of families do want to have access to an advisor, but that advisor doesn't have to be an expensive, dedicated advisor. Many firms, your banks um, might provide a hotline to talk to an advisor, mm-hmm. or firms like Schwab and Fidelity, who do a lot on technology, also have people available to sit down with you and help you work through a plan. So what advice would you have for somebody who may already be juggling a lot of expenses and issues? So I would say in this case, it's really important that you get that plan done. And again, you know, it's never too late. I think there's a lot of anxiety around financial things. It's one of the big hot buttons of anxiety in people for a number of reasons. So one of the most important things is to cut yourself some slack and just take a deep breath. Nobody's perfect. Uh, I know a lot of financial advisors who need to do their planning and budgeting because it's like the shoemaker who has holes in their shoes. So mm-hmm. it is not at like exercise. It takes a lot of discipline, discipline and you just have to do it, get started. So if you're having challenges, I would say just get on it right away. Take advantage of the tools we just talked about or your legal pad and mm-hmm. get going and start looking at how much you're spending. One of the most important things we do when we're working, even with the wealthiest, is actually list for them and put together for them what their spending looks like. And they are often shocked. Uh, we wow. have situations where clients have a lot of money. And if they keep spending at the rate they're spending, they won't make it through retirement. So this is a very critical thing to do. Don't get upset with yourself if you're not doing it. Mm-hmm. Start doing it and start cutting back where you can. And you'll be, it'll comfort you to see that uh, clearly I have some choices I can make here. And if it's very serious, you can, you, clients even look at things like maybe I should um, downsize my house. Maybe I should get a smaller home. 
because they don't want to be house poor. So there's lots of things you can actually do. Some are smaller, some are dramatic, but mm-hmm. you only do those once you know what the picture looks like. So how do you correct the course if you've already made some financial mistakes in your life, like racking up too much credit card debt or robbing your 401k plan or overspending? Um, do you do make those big changes that you were talking about or, or are there more subtle things you can do? Yeah, I think, you again, you start small. Again, get the picture together and look at what you can do that may be not a wholesale dramatic change. And the other thing I want everybody to remember is there are some powerful things, forces that help. So the stock market, even though it goes up and down, it does go up over the long term. We call it beta. There's an inherent gain you make when you're invested in stock, which you could do through your 401k or IRA. Mm -hmm. In addition, we have the power of compound interest. So if you regularly are, are... putting money away and you're investing it, even if you're earning 5% in a money market account, over time, if you leave it alone, you will begin to accumulate wealth and help you dig out of the hole. If it's very acute, then I think you need to look at some bigger changes that you might need to make. Maybe one of the spouses isn't working. Maybe they start working part-time or the partners. Mm -hmm. A lot of different things you can do there. I do think that on television, for example, there are a lot of ads for more dramatic solutions. Like if someone has too much credit card debt, mm-hmm. there are phone numbers you can call and people will come in and help you eliminate your credit card debt. However, you need to be a little careful. Like what, what, is, what are the consequences of taking that action going to be? Sometimes it has an impact on your credit rating or it causes credit card companies or other lenders not to want to give you credit in the future. So basically, I would say beware, buyer beware. You can tend to get so stressed out and panicked over financial problems that you can often jump to something that looks like a good solution and not really fully think it through. Okay, excellent. I want to remind the audience that they can submit questions in the Q&A. And so, Doris, what are some tricks for saving more in the face of rising inflation? Well, Jessica, we're certainly in one of those eras now, as we know, and we see interest rates going up as the Federal Reserve is trying to counter the very high inflation we've been experiencing over the past year and a half. Uh, There was some good news today. Um, The inflation data looks like um, we're down to maybe 5%, at least for the past month. We have to see if that's a trend or if it's going to stay there. It's still too high. So I think here what you see is inflation's higher in some categories than others. So if you look at food, Mm -hmm. a lot of people are rethinking their mix of food and substituting lower cost foods for higher cost foods. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest areas of inflation right now is in uh, entertainment like going out to restaurants and so there, I think some people need to just rethink how many vacations am I going to take this year? Or if I take a vacation, can I drive, go see, see part of America you haven't seen before plan ahead so you can get a reduced rate on the hotel. 
because mm-hmm. that category has skyrocketed. Um, and so those would be a few things. I would say you may need to reduce your overall spending to accommodate higher prices, but also look at how you can substitute some spending for other spending to reduce the cost. Okay. So women in particular are at great risk of retiring without enough money due to a number of factors such as time out of the workforce and gender pay gaps. What do women need to do to invest more aggressively, save more and protect their assets? Yeah, the the issue for women tends to be a bit acute because in addition to the factors you talked about, um, women also live longer than men on average. And now we have much longer life expectancy than we used to have. Mm-hmm. So we uh, many have done analysis of this and concluded that Women tend to live on average five years longer than men, and they tend to marry men that are about two years older than they are. So there's a bit of a seven-year gap just from that. Um, And so widowhood becomes more of an issue for women than men. And the divorce rate tends to be, you know, it's a little over 50%. And even for very affluent households, we've seen data that show it's even higher than that. If women are non-moneyed, if they aren't earning an income or they have chosen to opt out of the process of budgeting and paying bills and meeting with their financial advisor, they're going to have a very rude awakening and need help. So what we advocate is even if you've divided labor in your household up, if you have a partner or spouse, don't, don't stay away from the subject. You've got to be engaged with the subject. Mm-hmm. Do joint budgeting. Do, do joint planning. Do your taxes together. Meet with your advisor together. If you have a personal uh, advisor, stay in the game, in other words, and have a full grasp of what's going on. Um, I do think women, uh, for all those reasons, do have more pressure I, uh, around finances and being able to survive retirement and not outlive their money. I also think though women have an advantage in that they are on average more willing to be educated. They ask more questions. They want to know more and they like planning the subject we started out with. Mm-hmm. So I do think women have some characteristics or traits, if you will, that are also to their advantage. Um, but it's definitely necessary to understand what financial resources they have, what they're going to have uh, from their household, and also be involved so they're financially literate at the level they need to be as they age. Okay. A lot of our readers say they want to retire as early as their 30s and 40s. How realistic is that? And what do you need to do to make that happen? Well, if they are a um, exceptional pitcher for the Mets or the Yankees, that much more, or or for the women, they are actually t- Taylor Swift's chief rival. Um, <laughs> that might work. It's very hard for me to imagine that really working um, mm-hmm. very well. And I also, being a person who loves what I do and has gotten so much meaning and purpose out of my job. Mm-hmm. I would actually turn the table on the question a little bit and say, why would you want to retire? 
why not just find something you love doing that will also give you a good lifestyle, provide for your family? Um, you know, I've, I've had a lot of clients because part of being in the wealth management business, we work with people on retirement. And I've seen clients, very, even very wealthy ones, retire early. Mm-hmm. And I would say the majority end up regretting it a couple of years later because they realize I can only be on so many boards. I can only help with the not-for-profit so much. I can't play that much golf. Whatever it is that they were planning to do, they have a period where they're euphoric and then they start saying, whoa, I'm probably going to live another 20 years. What am I going to do with all this time? So, yeah, it seems like a, seems to, it seems like a young age to me as well. What would you do? You know? Yeah. And you'd certainly have to have a pretty limited lifestyle, Um, which again, most of the 30 and 40 year olds I know don't really go for that. So I think they're, I think a rethink not only makes sense, it's actually one of the great opportunities they have in their life to be fully engaged on something that's a career where they're really doing good work and Mm. supporting themselves financially. So one of the experts we talk to always say that the best way to fund retirement is to save more and work longer, but people often retire before they even plan to. And so how realistic is the advice to work longer when health issues and life sometimes gets in the way? of your plans. Yeah. And, and I think obviously those are big issues. One of the things it's a bit of a tangent here before I answer your question is we usually um, also advocate that clients look at insurance and long-term care insurance as part of their overall health of their financial plan so that they have stopgap measures, things that will kick in if they have some sort of, um, you know, illness or uh, death of a spouse, something that creates havoc with the plan. So there are steps you can take early on, and they tend to be cheaper when you're healthy and young. Mm-hmm. We, we say sign up for some of these things, right? Or at work, get long-term disability, even though it's going to deduct from your income or short-term disability, and look at what your company offers in terms of benefits. But again, I would say here is where you really need to go deep on a replan. I mean, we view planning, I view planning as essential and dynamic. You do it constantly. It's not just one and done. You've got to keep, you've got to keep planning, particularly when you have a curveball. So what you need to do there is again look at, okay, how big a curveball is this? Mm-hmm. How much do I have to find to recover and over what time? And does it mean that maybe I have to do some of these more dramatic things we talked about earlier, like relocating to a lower cost home, lower cost state, um, something like that? Or maybe the family can pitch in. It was, there's been some articles in the media recently where we're going back more to an extended family setup um, where, you know, kids in their 30s who have young children are welcoming their parents or in-laws in to live with them and they have enough space that they can all find privacy, but they're also pitching in with each other. So I think there are a lot of options. And the most important thing to to remember is that there are a lot of options, but that you need a plan to figure them out. Okay. So on a 
on a personal note, what's the best financial advice you ever got and who gave it to you? You know, I was really thinking hard about this and I don't even know. I know I gave my daughters a piggy bank, but I got one when I was, I think, seven years old. I had, I'm the oldest of four kids and we all got piggy banks and then we got a little, um, I don't, it wasn't a lecture. It was more some advice that my mom and dad gave us on, you know, saving versus spending. And I had an allowance when I was a kid. I, I don't even remember what it was. It wasn't extraordinary. But they would always say, think about how much this dollar, how much is going to go in the piggy bank. We had tooth fairies. I always put my tooth fairy money in the piggy bank. So, so this idea of saving was something that started at a very young age. And we we also encourage clients to start with their children at a very young age. Um, and it usually starts with the parents, but there are also plenty of financial literacy programs out there. Often schools have them because they view them as an important part of helping someone go to adulthood. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was really my parents. And then I did have on my mom's side, uh, my grandfather was a banker. He was president of Prudential Savings Bank. So he used to explain to me a lot, you know, the, the, the value of saving. So I won't say I'm perfect. Um, there've been times I skipped saving in my life and then thought, why'd I do that? So, so, um, none of us is perfect. This isn't, this isn't easy, but I think I got it ingrained in me at an early age and my husband the same way. And we grew up in families that had a work ethic. And so, and in our case, both our parents worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was unusual for moms in those days. But I watched them. And I also thought, I'm not going to waste money because mom and dad are both working hard to get it. So I think all of that, it's its a value system, really. It's an ethos. And it was ingrained in me by my family. So you've, in the course of your career, what's the biggest change you've seen for women as employees in the banking industry? And also, what's the biggest change you've seen in your female clients over the course of your career? Well, I would say that it's definitely gotten better. You know, there was that old TV ad, Come a Long Way Baby. I think it was Mm -hmm. Virginia Slims back in the day. Um, so, So it would be crazy to say there hasn't been any progress. Has there been enough progress? I personally think not. Um, usually now when I was starting out, I would be often the only woman in the room. Occasionally I did have somebody ask me to get coffee for the meeting. You know, literally it was like that. I started working in the early eighties. So now you don't have that, but we still don't have a lot of women sitting at the head of the table. We may have more women at the table, but not at the head of the table. Um, so I think we have to all work hard to keep making progress. There's also been a lot of actions taken at the board level, pushing board diversity. Europe's way ahead of that. And there's a lot of business cases that have been um, research been done to prove the business case, I should say, that having women on boards, having a diverse workplace is very critical to uh, producing better business results. Um, so I think we're making a lot of progress. I, th- I think in my industry, in finance, there has been a lot of progress in banking. Mm-hmm. Uh, banking does have a community angle. Um, we are, for example, a super regional 
bank, our parent company, M&T Bank, and is very much a community bank. So when you see community banks operate, they very much want their population to reflect the community's population in terms of diversity. So I think banking's actually pretty good on this front. There are areas that are still more male-centric, but in wealth management, for example, I think if you look across a number of the major firms, there are a fair number of female CEOs like me who are running running wealth firms. Um, I have two daughters, they're 20, they're in college, they both want to work when they get out. And so I'm pretty determined to stay on this topic and make sure that my daughter's generation and the generations after that um, have even better opportunity for equality. Well, we have some reader questions or listener questions that we, we'd like to answer. One from Tammy, she says that she has to start from square one because of a major setback due to an, that, due to an injury that resulted in major medical bills. And with rising food costs and utilities and housing and medical, how do you recover from a major setback and start over? Yeah. Oh, boy, that's tough. And I don't know her circumstances in terms of reaching out to any of the insurance companies. Um, we, we have uh, at our company a lot of resources when people have extreme medical bills. Navigating insurance is hard. So mm -hmm. one of the things you might want to do is try to get some help in navigating the insurance companies and make sure that those bills absolutely have to be paid. The amounts are right. The insurance isn't going to pick up more. Maybe you can negotiate a delayed payment scheme, mm -hmm. which they should be willing to do under an extreme circumstance. Mm -hmm. And then I would say, again, look, do a plan. Put all the numbers together and see what you can uh, cut back and how you can kind of gradually grow yourself out of the hole. If you can't, then you may have to look at lower rent, moving to a, a lower housing cost or lower rent um, or something like that. So it's uh, these are unfortunate circumstances. These are times where having a financial advisor, personal financial advisor can actually help. And as I said earlier, there are a lot of ways to get to personal advice without having an expensive, dedicated team at one of the big wealth management firms. So I would, in this case, probably encourage that uh, the, the, the listener do that as well. Okay. Um, we also have a question from Ralph, and he asks, what's the best way to preserve savings? Well, preserving savings. So you want to look very carefully where you're putting the savings. How is the savings invested? Mm -hmm. The safest, safest place to save is, um, is basically the treasury market. So treasuries, um, you know, have, they're backed by the U.S. government. They are the safe, safest security that you can invest in the world. Banks, banks have FDIC insurance up to $250,000. So you can also go to a bank. Mm -hmm. The longer time you're willing to commit the savings, the better rate you'll get. And right now, rates aren't terrible because the Fed's been increasing rates. So you can get 4 to 5%, depending on what it is and how far you go out in maturity 
mm-hmm. um, by saving um, and you want it to be rock solid or safe. If you're going to look at a longer term portfolio where you have stocks and bonds and maybe some cash, diversification works. Last year was the worst year. It was an anomaly, a complete anomaly. It was mm-hmm. the worst year for diversified portfolios since 1936. Wow. So between 1936 and 2022, diversification worked. It may have been not as good some years as others, but it basically worked. So if you are going to have a longer term portfolio and in, in investment in stocks and other securities, um, make sure it's high quality and you can do it uh, as long as you diversify and you should weather, be able to weather storms. Okay. And we have one more question. Um, what's your suggestions for short-term investment um, strategies for 401ks? But 401ks are obviously a, a long-term play, but are there short-term plays within that to um, increase your retirement savings? Yes. So on 401ks, there are a couple of things they typically offer. So they will offer when you go into the investment options, they will offer like a treasury money market fund, which is the ultimate safest and other money market funds. You do want to understand a little bit what those money market funds are investing in. Some of them try to get their rates up by going a little bit further out on the risk spectrum. So if you want it rock solid and not to take risk, look very carefully at what they're investing in. And that will all be defined in the fund prospectus, uh, the fund documents. They'll lay out what they're allowed to invest in. So you can look at that. The other thing that's a very interesting approach is in retirement investing, a number of years ago, they embedded what are called target date funds. Mm -hmm. So you can say, I am going to retire in 2030. And you can invest in a portfolio that has that target date and they will manage over time for you how much goes into stock, how much goes into bonds and look to see there may even be cash components in that, particularly as you get closer to retirement. So again, the 401k industry is great. Most most companies have them and it's an excellent way. And it was designed to, to replace the defined benefit plan or what people called pensions. So there's a lot of options there. Excellent. Well, Doris, that's all we have time for today. Thank you for being here. And to our audience, April is Financial Literacy Month and MarketWatch has published a financial literacy quiz and the link to the quiz is in the chat box. We hope you enjoy it and you're able to learn something new from it. We also hope that you listen to tomorrow's podcast. Barron Senior Managing Editor Lauren Rublin and healthcare industry reporter Josh Nathan Cassis will discuss the outlook for healthcare stocks and the latest news on COVID-19 treatments and vaccines. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day and be safe. Thank you. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.